FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey guys, Jason here uh, with a quick disclaimer, because it's always fun to start podcast episodes with a disclaimer, right? <laughs> anyway, uh, we have a great episode with Georgie and Dan back on to talk about X-Men Red through Rogue and Gambit um, and everything in between. And it's a really, really fun episode with a lot of great content. Um, unfortunately, I uh, had some Skype issues that I did not identify well enough during the recording um, where they kind of cut out a little bit. There were a couple of times where I caught it and I kind of, you know, backtracked and asked them to, you know, repeat or whatever. And you'll hear that in the episode. But Unfortunately, and, and listening back and editing, it happened a lot more than I thought it did. Um, which sucks because, you know, I kind of have a visual guide when I'm recording when I'm looking at the waves, right? And sometimes I can tell when stuff's like way wrong because the waves look bad or, or not like they should. And I can, you know, kind of stop it and start over or whatever. Um, and, you know, in a perfect world, I'd just be like, oh, well, that sucks. Let's do it again. But. You know, with almost two hours of content, it's hard to <laughs> carve that time out. So, I just wanted to apologize a little bit for some some kind of audio drops um, or, or buzzes. Um, I don't know why Skype does that sometimes when it does, but you know, I want to apologize to you as the listeners, but also want to apologize to Georgie and Dan. Um, you know, because they, they took the time to read these books and to talk about these books and had a lot of great things to say. Um, luckily, I think you're, I mean, it's still pretty pretty solid and coherent. There's just a few little awkward pauses where things kind of got delayed or almost it feels like, or, or you missed like part of a word, but you can still hear what they're trying to say except for a couple of times and most of those I, I heard while recording and said, Hey, I lost you there. And you know, we fixed it, but you know, the ones that I didn't, I just, again, apologize to, to the listeners, but more importantly to, to Georgie and Dan, because it sucks that, that happened and that I didn't catch it sooner. So anyway, without further ado, it is really a good episode. So I hope you were able to kind of listen through it and, and keep up with what, what's going on because there's a lot of, a lot of fun things th- to talk about. So, all right, well, I think I already said without further ado, can I say it more than once? I think there's a rule against that. So, here we go, <laughs> episode 277. <laughs> hey, everybody, welcome to episode 277 of the podcast that goes snicked. Snicked. I'm your host, Jason Venable, and I'm joined once again by Georgie V and Dan Cole. Hey, guys. Hello. How are y'all? Not bad. Not bad. Pretty good. Very good. Yeah, so basically we're going to uh, talk about the second issue of X-Men Red and then a bunch of other stuff. How does that sound? <laughs> Spoiler alert, that's how we feel about the quality of the books. <laughs> I think it's a pretty solid breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get to that, there is a little bit of Wolverine news that... um. Listeners will tackle again with Denise, but I wanted to get these guys' uh, input as well. Um, so we had an announcement concerning the Wolverine comics, and um, Laura will still have her own book, but she is, uh, I guess, regressing. 
<laughs> to uh, to X23, and of course, with the after the hunt for Wolverine stuff is all wrapped up, uh, there'll be a mystery book, which everyone knows is going to be a new Wolverine book, um, with Logan as Wolverine. And so, I'll let you guys go first. Um, what what are your overall thoughts, pros, cons, whatever? Silence. <laughs> um, I, I like on the new X23 book. Um, so it'll be written and look nice. I'm not... It's like, it's like for me, it's like a two for two because Sam was already robbed of being Captain America and now Laura's being sort of robbed of Wolverine. And Sam's like... Nah. Yeah, it's kind of disappointing. You put a couple of years' work into it, you really establish the character as Wolverine and then, hey... Uh, go back to this other title, and then you have to spend time reestablishing her as that that character, so to speak. Right. So it, it feels a bit like a like a waste almost. Um, I'm I'm just glad that she's still in red because Taylor really knows how to write her. Yes. And Gabby, so that's, that's good at least. But what did you think of the uh, the creatives on the new X twenty three book? I think it should be great. I think it should be pretty great. Um, I know Dan has before, before the uh, Intercomics resigned, was speaking very highly of the Hulk book. Uh, by is it? Yep. You say it, Mariko Tamaki. Am I saying that right? Is that our yeah. best guess? Yeah. Um, yeah, and definitely wrote uh, a really nice balance between like a little bit of eeriness, but also some sweetness um, in that book, and I think that could go really well. With with Laura and Honey Badger, um, so I I think you know it, it's got a lot of potential. I mean, obviously the way it shakes down. I mean, obviously I'm I'm a huge Wolverine fan, and that includes Logan. So I'm probably more excited to see him back than you guys probably are. But at the same time, you know, as I had said, kind of for the last several months since we kind of knew something was going to shake down. I was kind of hoping that at least for a while, Laura would stay Wolverine and, and Logan would just be Logan. Um, you know, I, I wish they'd kind of maybe told some stories with that before they made the change. But, you know, all things aside, I, I do think that this X-23 book should be really good. Do I prefer it was a Wolverine book instead? Yeah, but, but I am excited about what that creative team can do. Just look at her... her, her, her uh... Not her, I guess her career. Uh, I, it's Mariko Tamaki, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So she did, I want to say, um, it was an award winning um, book called This One Summer, which was actually really nice. An independent book about like a summer vacation uh, period uh, with some young, really nice reads. So if you have a chance, I would, I would pick that up as well. Okay, cool. I'll look for it. I've been reading a lot of her work. She does. She had the, the Supergirl book that she's been doing, like the um, sort of reimagined Supergirl book has been as well. And I think the final issue of Hulk was quite a good sort of, I can write X-Men too, because she had like <laughs> the mutants and it was kind of a really interesting sort of way to finish that book. Interesting. Oh, it's when um, She-Hulk was starring. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's, okay, she's, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. I'll have to read that. That's all got to be on Marvel Unlimited, I would think. At some point. <laughs> At some point. <laughs> right. Cool. Very cool, yeah. And who's the artist again? God, I, I don't have it in front of me. Why ask me when I don't have anything in front of oh, me? Sorry, <laughs> I drew a blank. I, I tweeted it. Let me go to my... 
Where's my self? Here we are. The question is, how many tweets ago was that? <laughs> oh, da, 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 da. Old comic art, old comic art. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Let's see, CVR. Oh, Juan Cabal, who's been doing all new Wolverine. So that'll be great. Yeah. yeah. Oh, great. Oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. He's been doing. He's been doing really kick-ass on that book, and really interesting kind of. Like it's not, I wouldn't classify his art as weird by any stretch of the imagination, but he just does little kind of off things that really give the book like a different character. So I really looking forward to him staying on on with Laura and Gabby. It should be pretty cool. Oh, nice. And I don't know who will take over the uh, the Logan Wolverine book once Hunt is done. I don't know if Soul will stay on that or someone else will come in or. I have no idea. They haven't revealed any information about that one yet. So, more to come on that, Snickers. Snickers. Is that what you plug your. No, no, I'm not. I will not do that to you guys. Um, maybe Snicked Heads. Is that, no, no, that's terrible. All right, well, we'll, we'll table that discussion. You, you could just follow me. Kill Thrillers. Oh, Kill my Thrillers. goodness. <laughs> That's more because detail than I plan to give on Poison X. <laughs> well, before we get to less interesting things, um, X-Men Red number two came out. So Dan's going to start us there. Um, and yeah, take it away, Dan. Well, X-Men Red number two. It's all lovely. Um, yeah, done. No, um, Written by Tom Taylor, art by Mamad Azra, um, colours by Ice Forcina, letterer is Feces Cory Petit, mm-hmm. and the main cover is by Travis um, Charest. Apologies if I can't read, I'm only using one eye. Yes, Cyclops, my, um, yeah. My excuse. Um, <laughs> so what do you think of the cover of, like, bearded future, um, this is the future? <laughs> you know, so when we talked about issue one, I talked about that I liked the cover, but then I saw it so much that I started to kind of dislike it. I kind of had the opposite effect on this one. I didn't really like it at first, but the more I read the issue and the more I kind of see the image and ads and stuff like that, I start to like it a little bit more. Um, I think the beard is an interesting choice and doesn't really fit the story. I think Tress gets the body language down pretty well. Um, and so, I don't know, what do you guys think? I like the colors on it a lot, too. Yeah, I agree. The more I like this, the more I like it. And I'm saying, ditto with the beard comments. But uh, I, mean, I would, wouldn't mind a, a book with this art style uh, starring Nightcrawler or, or if even X and Red made this sort of a change, that could be an interesting look. But. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm enjoying it. That's an interesting question you bring up, Georgie. Do either of you know, does Therese do any interior art anymore? I don't know. I haven't, I haven't seen his name on a book in a while. I haven't either. A, while. a long time. Yeah. No. Yeah. All right. Cool. But yes, unfortunately, we have no bearded Nightcrawlers. Instead, <laughs> we have our new character um, with a bag on her head. And that's how we uh, <laughs> start. Because... That's how mutants 
in most books start um, their life. <laughs> And the guys go in it and shows like it's the like it was the perfect time to take it down because uh, Jean Grey is all over the news, killing the British ambassador, or that's what the world thinks. And due to this, of course, mutant human relations have gone crazy. But um, Tiki Torch is on fire. I wonder how relevant that is. Um, <laughs> people getting to death. Um, <laughs> someone literally. Like flinging, I love that panel of him just flinging the pen. Yes, I do too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so mad he so can't how, even write. <laughs> how dare you? How, how dare this blonde woman even speak rationally on my news program? Um, and then Wakanda, uh, with Jean and the team. And well, before we get Mary, to Wakanda, Mary. Dan, um, Go on. I really like kind of the almost throwaway, uh, news crawl at the bottom of the screens because they all relate to like mutant issues like about health insurance um terrorist um you know new laws i just thought it was really interesting almost like you're watching cnn or or maybe by the way this guy's acting well, fox news or I whatever sh- but the second one the um bio rights person who attacked high school i think that's connect- connected to the she hulk the last she hulk oh okay because bio rights people attack a high school prom Oh. No, I don't know if that's, oh. that's just randomly placed or all Very came into Could be. fruition. Yeah. Very um, cool. Can I just say how lovely... Um, how lovely like, Lee you love? How lovely Lee you love. How lovely Azra's uh, Kurt is in the... Oh. I just really like the way that Kurt looks in this book a lot. Yes, I do too. But they're in... They're in a, so uh, what we're talking about alright I think and not to sort of go to my assessment of this book but the only real issue I have with this book is that sometimes Jean looks like she's 14 and sometimes she's 24 and I just wish they would make her look a little bit more like the older Jean where this one you know she looks like maybe people are used to uh, teenage Jean because obviously Aswa uh, drew a few of, uh, quite a few issues of all new X-Men right. with Bendis. He's just trying to get his system. <laughs> um, saying that, though, I do love the way he draws Gabby, especially jumping off a waterfall. Yes. Uh, but, um, and we're introduced to uh, Gentle, who is possibly one of the most powerful mutants on the planet, but retcon or not. <laughs> uh, I do know what's a retcon, is that um, Laura doesn't know him, but they went to school together. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, a little slip And then um, we've got Jean getting email through, uh, through her bank password, which ends up being um, our newest arrival. Is it Trinary? Trinary, oh, maybe? Or Trinary? Yeah. Trinary? Yeah. Right, Trinary, I would think. Like um, binary, but three? Techno- I don't know. Yeah. And she's a path, which in sci-fi speak anything with machines i imagine right or, or data or something yeah and <laughs> sorry i just i just love uh gabby so much in the um <laughs> i have a new hero oh yeah 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 so i i think what's interesting about this part is trinary doesn't when she appeals to gene she's not like so i was accused of this cyber attack and i didn't do it no she's like i was accused of the cyber attack totally me <laughs> um, can you help me please 
and you know, kind of the, the and you know, and Taylor not kind of backing off of some things, talking about the, uh, you know, the gender salary inequality and how you know Trinary rearranged some monies to take care of that on her own. Um, and if you follow Tom Taylor on Twitter, he can be pretty vocal about some things as well. So I'm glad he's not shying away from some of that in his book. Politics and comics, how they do What? And X-Men comics? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And anyway, um, obviously Jean decides that, you know, we should go help her. And a quick wardrobe change. Everyone's got hoods on. And we're in Delhi, India. Um, <laughs> it's such a weird... <laughs> like, the scene's just... It's played for... Like, um, Jean sort of pushing this guy's mind around. And he's got psychic defences, but they're not good good enough against Jean Grey obviously uh, she's buying a coffee and Gabby pokes him can I poke him uh, sure poke <laughs> and, then, and then she takes his money as well which I think is yes funny. I thought that was hilarious <laughs> oh goodness and then um, we have this really interesting I really like the um, sort of Sifu uh, van as they drive up to where uh, Trinary is held up and we got it. And then she does that thing that was it? There's that double page spread of Gene lo- looking into his mind, which was the visual thing from Gene when she came back. Yeah. Um, Immerman did it. Yeah. Um, also very reminiscent of when Miles came back to the 616. Right, right. And then when Karma was also. Um, yeah. Like Aswad drew it as Karma, the, the Miles one as well. Um, so, yeah. New gene abilities. I love this. Yeah, that's a great page. Yeah, Where stealth? We should. It's a gene going like. Um, um. And then we have Kurt appearing in front of Big Kurt, which is surprising, seems that we've not really had a Nightcrawler in comics in a long time. <laughs> right, he actually does stuff. Yeah. Um, and. There's some problems outside with the um, sort of anti-mutant hysteria that's going on, and so Gene just puts them all to sleep, as you do. <laughs> Except for three of them. Who, des- who decide to shoot at her. And then Gene's lost communications, Nightcrawler and, and the gang die out, but it's okay, Gene's just keeping them all hovering because we forget that she's, like, uber-powerful. <laughs> and um, Laura snicks someone's fingers away. Yeah. Um, that was awesome. That was pretty great. Because uh, the, the bad guy's trying to like call a sentinel, and she's like, nope, and cuts his fingers off, cuts his phone in half. It's pretty great. But then the sentinel Ow. comes anyway. Yeah, too late, sentinels. But it's okay, because that is a really cool-looking old-school sentinel, man. Yeah, it is. Oh, yeah. And um, everyone's like, oh, dear. And Gene's like, get out of here. Mm. And it's all to be continued. You know, that brings up, this last page brings up an interesting uh, piece of, of the team in that, you know, Gene's really powerful uh, and is a good team leader. And they have a lot of, like, stealth guys and maybe low-level, like, punch-and-kick people. But no real huge heavy hitters, you know, uh, on the team now. And so I'm wondering how much they're really going to implement Gentle into this or right. Namor if, if he ever actually joins the team. 
um, how involved they're going to be because they're like you know super super strength people, right. which they're sort of missing right now. Yeah, and probably going to need like, against um, the Sentinel. <laughs> to, not, not to create spo- spoilers, but I think Trinary is just going to take over the Sentinel. Isn't, mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be a thing? But oh. I like the fact that um, it's sort of a low level ta- power, um, and obviously we've. Yes, Gambit's being introduced, isn't he? And Namor, they get some a little more combat heavy. Yeah. And then I suppose we finish the book with. Um, do I have it in this one? The Where's Wolverine business. Yes, yeah, so the Where's Wolverine, yeah. which this one is by um, oh, wait, Ryan sorry, Stegman. Oh, Gambit is joining the team. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah, I think it's okay. number three, right? Was that before, or was that just in this book that that was introduced? Um, it, it was, it's an issue three apparently comes into it, but, um, it's because they've okay. got like, in my issue, they've got like a yeah, yeah, yeah. design thing of all the characters. Yeah, exactly. So, I, I just remember like the, uh, like the team, uh, I don't know what, like poster that they were showing before the book came out. And I don't believe Gambit was in that, that cast yeah, of characters. No, it was revealed oh. later. Gotcha. Yeah. Tom said that the cast going to be bigger than the original amount anyway sort of thing so might not just be Gambit there might be more who knows very nice yeah I'd like to see him do Gambit that could be good oh yeah he's uh, he did that annual um, that really played on the history because Gambit was in X-23's book for a while when Marjorie Liu was writing it and Uh, Tom Taylor did a really cool annual that really kind of played on that relationship and nailed cool. it. So I'm really excited to see him have those two come together again. Nice. And so we do have a, a Where's Wolverine page by Ryan Stegman and Ivy Sorcina. Um, and it's basically him uh, just kind of walking through the crowd in Delhi as he's been globetrotting lately. Um, and you see the Sentinel show up from the end of the story and he, uh, he grabs a guy and says, Get up, bub. <laughs> And the guy spouts some anti-mutant rhetoric and Wolverine's or Logan's just kind of like, yeah, all right. <laughs> so uh, these these one-shots have been interesting, kind of barely parts of the stories. But um, yeah, I say, like Stegman, I love Stegman. So I'm, I'm down with that page anyway. <laughs> all so right. how, how did you feel about X-Men Red number two, gentlemen? I loved it. George, you want yeah, to elaborate? Right. Why don't you elaborate? <laughs> oh, I mean, this was, it's, it's easily the best uh, Team X book out there by a, by a long mile. Yeah. Um, the, the, the character interactions are great. Uh, Gabby is a, a really standout uh, sort of, what do you call it? Um, for some reason, only political terms are coming to my brain, but she's a good... Uh, foil? Like a, Comic no, relief? foil. Like the, the like you're making a movie, and you have like a side character who makes a lot of jokes, and yeah. the comic Everybody's relief, side. the comic relief. That's what yeah. I was looking for. She's <laughs> a great comic relief character. Um, the artwork is amazing. The only real issue I have here is that, as I mentioned earlier, Jean is drawn a little bit inconsistently in terms of is she young or is she like you know late twenties Jean. So it's I mean, do do we even know what age she was brought back as actually. Whatever age don't she wants guess to be. we do, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to okay. say the Phoenix yeah. probably reset her to mid-20s, young-20s probably, if I had to guess. I, mean, okay. I don't know. I have, I have no idea. That's a good question. 
I just remember in the uh, the Jean Grey uh, miniseries, the, the last issue where young Jean wakes up and there's old Jean. Old Jean looked like she was in her early thirties. Yes, like she looked she like did. a grown up person. So right. So she looked like that, she did when like, she left. Which yeah, this, yeah, looks, exactly. this looks younger for sure. So maybe it's just because she's in street clothes. Can I just say how much I adore the the way um, as I draw as Nightcrawler? I just generally think that oh, yeah. he just looks fantastic. It, I, I've been starved of such good Nightcrawler. <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit of good Nightcrawler that goes a long way. Yeah. Team. I adore the way um, his Bamf is col- colored as well. Like the ashen black is a really nice way of coloring it. But that's just me obsessing over Nightcrawler, so I apologize. Um, that's okay. <laughs> um, I I thought it was really fun and really good. I think it, um sort of solidifies the the book might be just a good book going forward, um, which for us X Men fans at the moment, I think that's you know a good sign. <laughs> it's a big deal. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think I think it is interesting, um, giving like motivations through her actions sort of bringing her character along to us introducing her um i generally feel like we'll probably get more from gentle later but i do like the little just smirk he has in his face when he's splashed right it sort right. of gives him gives him something at least to work with <laughs> um but that's the thing it, it, the book's just really well done yes it really is it, um, it's surprising how simple it can be because it it's not as if like the story is complicated or anything and it isn't it's like political um, strands, but it's not hammering at home right. um, like other X books I can name. <laughs> um, everything feels natural, and the, the, like the, the coming of the team or bringing the team together feels like a natural progression. And I'm excited to see what happens when Gambit joins or is introduced. Yeah, me too. And I will make a an oath, an oath of of tr- of effort. <laughs> I will try not to say this every episode that we talk about this, but just once again, I feel like Red is outdoing Gold in his own game. I guess everything that Gold wants to be and just doing it at an infinitely better level. Um, It has the politics, it has the intrigue, it has a character play, has really good dialogue. Um, Amazing dialogue, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, Taylor's just... He's very, very. I, I won't say quickly because it's been you know a couple of years. I've been reading him pretty solid now, and I read some of his stuff before that as well. But I mean, he is to me like he's on the short list of of best writers right now in comics, and um, I just I really dig what he's doing. It's just it's it's uh, you write about him just sort of like this book just is what Gold wanted to be from the get go because he even has like pangs of nostalgia with. And it can throw in like German words without it being so crowbarred into the dialogue <laughs> that it's horrible. Uh, you know what I mean? It just feels like just um, it feels like an X Men book, and right. that's a massive. That seems to be a massive plus when we've got a load of X books that don't feel like X Men like X Men books. <laughs> it's such a weird thing to say, but you know this this book feels like. Where, where gold feels strained to like make it an X book, mm-hmm. feels like and effortless just come together. The dialogue just flows naturally. 
you never feel like, oh, someone created this. You, you like, you fall into the story and you just read it, right? and that's almost the best thing you can say about a story where you don't immediately engage. Yeah, and it's just amazing. Yep. Here, 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 here. All right. Well, um, how high are we gonna go on this book, gentlemen? Well, if we were uh, marking it with the gold standard, I think it would break <laughs> the roof. Um, yeah, six, yeah. Seven, eight. <laughs> it just like smash. He grows extra claws smash. like the uh, the apocalypse seed docking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, it isn't... It's, see, I want to give... And because it's so good, but I feel like I'm giving it six because I've read gold. And <laughs> so it's sort of like naturally gets an extra for not being as shit as them right but i think it deserves a very high five i don't know if it's super perfect just yet because I, I think there's still bits that could like still tiny bit need to sort of slot together to make it fully formed basically the whole group needs to be together i need to see the whole team sort of work as a construct but i can really give it Highest marks? I don't know. Right, that makes sense. That makes sense. No, All right, you, Georgie. I, I'm, I'm, I'm is a five. It's an easy five, but it's not a six. It just, it doesn't have that little special thing. Um, there are some minor quibbles, uh, but otherwise, I mean, I can't really complain about it either. I mean, this is just a great read. So five out of six. Yeah, I'm right there with you, and I and. To be kind of transparent, I read this one first of all our books. So and, did I, yeah. And took notes. And so even before I read the other books, I was already arguing about whether this was going to be a five or a six. So I, I think Dan is, <laughs> is the perspective helps it, but it was it was there regardless. And um and I'm gonna fall with you guys on five out of six claws. It's not quite perfect for me, but it is damn close. Yeah. It needs more um naked uh, well, semi-naked Neymar. Yeah. Six. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Sad is. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, next up, we're going to talk about Astonishing X-Men number eight and nine, A Man Called X, part two and three, uh, both written by Charles Soule. Eight is penciled by Paulo Siqueira. If I said that right, I don't know. Um, and nine is. That's not by somebody. Here we go. Uh, by Matteo Bafogni. Um, eight has colors by... I'm sorry. Eight has an inker. Nine doesn't. Two inkers. Walden Wong and Roberto Poggi. Poggi? Pudgy? I don't know. Um, eight has colors by Edgar Delgado. Nine has colors by Giado Marchisio. And then VC's Clayton Cowles does the letters for both. Number eight has a cover by Mike Diodato Jr. and Frank Martin. And number nine has a cover by Lindell Francis Yu and Maury Hollowell. All right, so number eight, on our Diodato cover, we have a very angry Psylocke pulling both the butterfly and the psychic dagger uh, versus a man called X with havoc circles out of his forehead. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what do you guys think of this cover? I don't like it. There you go. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of meh. Yeah, it's just a bit ugly for me. I can so. see that. All right. Well, um, Proteus is back in London. Um, 
looking more and more like a Green Lantern construct as he runs around the town being hungry. Hungry! Uh, the X-Men argue about whether they're going to trust X or not. Uh, Bishop decides to take on Proteus on his own by shooting at him. Uh, X tells him to stop. Bishop's like, no, you're on his side. That's why you're telling me to stop. He's like, actually, no, um, you're helping him. And Proteus takes the gun from Bishop and shoots himself over and over again, feeds himself with energy until he explodes. Uh, we get some more arguing about whether or not to trust X and where Phantom X is or isn't. Um, old man Logan's like, I know how to kill Proteus. Snicked. Metal and my new weird mustache. <laughs> that comes out of nowhere from one panel. <laughs> um, and, you know, and he has a good point. He's like, an archangel can soften him up with his metal feather blades. And it will be a good combo. But X wants to try the peaceful way first. So him and Psylocke go into the astral plane. And they've determined that Proteus's plan is to turn Earth into the astral plane or to bring the astral plane to Earth. I don't know if it really matters to make a distinction between those. Um, but Proteus is getting bigger and bigger. But then when they go inside, he's back to just Kevin McTaggart. You know, in his traditional Scottish kilt atop his castle. And I really, it's really kind of interesting because it was actually probably my favorite part of the issue where he kind of talks about, you know, it kind of sucks to have been me. You know, I, I, yes, I was dangerous. But my mom locked me away at an early age. And every time I got loose, somebody killed me or controlled me and... You know, I just want a chance at redemption. All oh, you guys got a chance at redemption. Why don't I? It was an interesting conversation, I thought. And then even more even more interesting, the X is like, I know, and pulls out some telekinetic uh, 45s, I guess, and, and shoots him, or tries to, when there's no bullets. And Proteus is like, oh, well, I tried, and he merges them into a weird creature. So, this book, this damn book, uh, so X is like he's either the most like authentic Professor X character ever or the least authentic <laughs> Professor X character ever because he's full of contradictions uh, throughout this book um, he's like no we can't kill him to go in and peaceful and as soon as he gets inside he's like yeah we gotta <laughs> right. he's, he's like a, a douchebag to all of his teammates uh, he treats everyone like badly, which Professor, Professor X check. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, is it really Professor X or not? Uh, and the other thing that I'm not sure if it's in this book or the next book we get into is it's not Phantom X's body exactly. Like right. Professor X somehow reorganized the molecules to make a new body for him, which also sounds like something that he would and wouldn't do. Uh, <laughs> right. And and the last point I want to bring up, which I think I get is if I had spent like 45 years without hair and I could remake my body I would give myself that fullest fullest of hair that he has now I don't you know uh, disrespect him at all for for rearranging that piece at least right I would I would not do a buzz cut right but you put all the hair yeah no no I'd pull it back I tell people all the time I'd go I'd have a head full of silver hair as opposed to being bald. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree, Georgie. I think regardless of whether he is or isn't really Professor X, he is definitely chock full of 
of secret agendas and ulterior yeah. motives. And even as a reader, we don't really know what he's trying to do. And the X-Men for sure don't know what he's trying to do. Um, and actually, that, that part was kind of interesting. And I, you know, I really did enjoy the conversation with Proteus. And you almost get the idea, you know, is he just bluffing them? Or had Professor X not <clears throat> jumped the gun, um, could he have like, been an ally to the X-Men? You know? So it's an interesting kind of kind of conflict that, that I enjoyed. I, I would say we'll talk about nine in a second, but I enjoyed eight a lot more than nine. What do you guys my think? Problem, of, oh, go ahead, Dan. My problem, my problem with it is that it reads like that it's cleverer than it actually is. Yeah. So it puts words on the page to say what it wants to say. I think having them argue about X is just tedious. Doing it twice is overkill. yeah, right. It was. Uh-huh. Um, I like. I agree with you. The stuff with Proteus in the astral castle, whatever Sewell thinks Scotland looks, um, <laughs> was was um, was was the best part of it because it's the only characterization we actually got from anything, and I just think that it's wasting time um, when it could just move on from elements it's like fair enough the new is he isn't he xavier dude is a mystery we get it are you gonna say it again yes you are of course you are because that's all you've got to write about apparently (laughs) um it's just not it just feels forced and he's got agendas that have agendas and it's like come on get over it just just tell us if he's real or not because i don't know if we can i don't think the the story can sustain this question long enough We've already had like two issues of him being is he trusted, right. and doesn't nine do the same thing <laughs> as well? And I feel like ten will do it as well. <laughs> so yeah, it's like until we, we find out to... in twelve. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's gonna go to twelve. It just feels a bit. Overkill is is my problem. A bit. Right. Talking about overkill. <laughs> issue nine. Issue nine yeah. definitely something. Right. Well, what do you guys think about the art in eight by Mr. Sakira? It reminded me of you know those like um, adverts that you obviously you guys might see Solomon. You know, like when you got in comic books and they were like advertising superheroes advertising toothpaste, right? Or, 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 um, <laughs> something like that. It just reminded me of that. Where it's not what I used to when I was a kid, when I was younger, and I was like, this isn't a comic book page. Um, yeah, yeah. I used to get angry at them. It's like that Snickers advert in the DC books, where you're like going through, right? And all of a sudden, Wonder Woman that are fighting someone, and it's a Snicker like Doomsday, and then the Snickers, and he turns back to being an old person. I was like, wait a second, the art has changed. It just feels like <laughs> kind of that, that kind of thing. Okay, that sounds, that sounds horrible, but it just it just reminds me of that. It's not bad. Like it told its story. It's just it could sell toothpaste to me as well. <laughs> I feel like the colors are the standout part of this issue yes. in terms of artwork. Uh, otherwise, it's kind of serviceable artwork. And I don't really remember at the moment what Nine looks like, but my memory is that this is a better looking book than Nine. Yeah, I thought so. All right, well, uh, what do you want to give number eight before we jump to number nine? I'm going to give it two. Maybe a high two, but two. Yeah, yeah, high two for me as well. Okay, I think I enjoyed it a little bit more than you guys. I'm going to go three out of six claws. Um, I think I enjoyed the astral plane stuff enough to actually kind of come away from the issue with a little bit better feeling. Um, 
right. That's, well, that's fair. Yeah. So number nine, our U cover. Um, we have the uh, the X Men entering into um, Inception world, um, and that's about all you need to know. It's an okay cover. What do you guys think? I do like the fact that I've seen some people come artist name cover, and I think they forgot the concept of them being reality. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. They're supposed to have stretchy arms. <laughs> so like a few people are like, oh, how? Right. Isn't it supposed to be? Yeah, that Wolverine left arm is crazy. Yeah, that's so anatomically incorrect. You know, but unless he's being pulled through reality, then maybe it's not so bad. He's on that Player One poster. Oh, yeah. There you go. (laughs) All right. Well, we start off with some weird... I wish I was drawing Saga creature. Um... That's a meld between X and Psylocke. And Archangel is somehow able to pull Psylocke out. <laughs> Maybe the highlight of this series for me. We get a nice snicked. And he's like, oh, old man Logan's like, Phantomax has a healing factor. And Meta will kill Proteus and break the link. So he stabs X. He's like, Logan, you, you stab me. He's like, yeah, you're cool. Um, your healing factor will kick in any second. But then I got a little pissed because we got a snick when we should have got a snack. Um, <laughs> as he pulls the claws out, um, and uh, Phantom X, or I'm sorry, Phantom Mr. X falls over. Psylocke puts him to sleep. <laughs> but then they make they gain my respect a little bit because there's a panel of them just standing there. Then the next panel is the same, and Old Man Logan goes, "Oops." <laughs> just, by far, my favorite part of the book. Um, yeah, that you have adamantium blue balls because there wasn't a snack. <laughs> yes. Wolverine's been very stabby this week because he stabs Xavier in here, and in um, um one, um, there's a few, there's some stabby going on. Wolverine stabbing that as well. Yeah. So I was like, I was like, he's lots of innocent people, <laughs> not innocent, I suppose. No. His allies. He had it coming. Um, <laughs> He did. He shouldn't have worn that coat. Um, <laughs> sorry, that's more of an STTV reference than a political reference. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's this pub. Proteus comes in. He makes everyone all violently jealous of each other. Um, more arguing about who X is and if he's going to be okay. Proteus builds like this medieval wall around this village. And turns them all into Proteus people. Um, and then one of the guys blows up. But then, gratefully, in number 10, we get some ACO art. <laughs> That's the best part about number 9 is the preview for the cover on number 10. <laughs> now, I, I want to say something before I get too negative. Um, I really enjoyed some of Mephagni's art when he was filling in for Ron Garney on Daredevil. But I did not enjoy this art very much. I think it's like, I think its main problem is it's sort of tonally all over the place. You've got like really detailed sort of landscape shots and then really weirdly bland facial. Right. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's such a it's such a weird, like, like that, the Blackbird flying away from London. That's a fire. Ter- yeah. It's just such a weird position, and then you've got like Bishop just looking a bit bizarre on every panel, and 
the best panel is actually old Xavier. That's my probably my favorite. Like with, when Mystique pretends to be Xavier. Oh, right. yeah, yeah. And then the panel above that of London with the shard on fire is actually quite a nice sort of cityscape. Yeah, where the blackbird doesn't look like it's eaten donuts like in the other panel. <laughs> <laughs> but I think artistically, it just it, it drew me so out of the story that whatever goodwill that oops does, because it made me chuckle when he said oops. Yeah. Um, actually, I was like, "Yay, stab him!" Um, so, <laughs> like, do it, just end it, end it right now. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Like that joke was really well, put, uh, but the, the art pulls away, and, and your reference to it wanting to him to draw like the preacher. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I agree. A preacher or like uh, um, Sandman. I feel like he wants to draw a Sandman issue. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, this was not. Oh, you know I, what? I'm bored. On that first page, is the Psylocke half of that creature molesting herself? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's very strange. I'm not comfortable with this anymore. Um. <laughs> I'll say there are a couple panels that, if it would have been that tone or maybe just a different book uh, with this kind of art style, maybe it would have worked. Um, but otherwise, I agree. It's kind of all over the place. Well, Warren and, and, and Betsy back together again? Have, have we just forgotten everything that's no, happened? No, I don't think them? so. I think um, she's surprised that he is I guess, healed or balanced or whatever X did to him. But obviously, he still has feelings for her. So obviously, I, I'm hoping we can get some kind of um, good old-fashioned X melodrama out of that. But we'll see. That's fair. What is with his wings? Why have they got discs on them? Like, I don't... Like, rotary discs. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's just a stylistic change that I wasn't a fan of. Um, <laughs> he also draws the wings very, like... Like a sick... Like, if you ever, like, at the grocery store and you go out to the parking lot and it's been raining and there's, like, that... I don't know how many blackbirds, Georgie, y'all get out there, or Dan, how many like those those ravens y'all have. But we get a lot here, especially when the seasons change and they're and they're migrating. And uh, uh-huh. there'll be times where like ones get left behind because their wings don't quite work. And you'll come right. out of the grocery store and they'll be like splashing around in a puddle and they look all wet and nasty and their feathers are like falling oh. apart. Like this this panel of Archangel's wings reminded me of that. <laughs> Wow, very specific. <laughs> All right, well, I, I we'll see if we if we stay on trend. I'm gonna drop a claw and give number nine two out of six claws. Are y'all gonna also drop or stay where you were? I think it wasn't as good. In fact, it was a little bit more like offensive. Um, <laughs> is the best word to say. It was just, I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't. I don't know if it deserves one. I think that's a bit too harsh. I feel the same way. One's too harsh on it, but it's not good either. It's like a two, like little yeah. high. Like <laughs> yeah. two. You dropped by one one claw, and we dropped by like a half claw, Jason. All I right. think is what yeah. Fair enough. But it, it was nice to be reminded that Rogue and Gambit are still in this book. Um, <laughs> I forgot that Rogue was in this book. To be honest, I'm like, where'd she come from? <laughs> like, why have a cast if you're not going to use them? <laughs> 
All right, let's move on to something hopefully a little more interesting. Um, George is going to talk about the finale of Iceman. Yep, we have Iceman number 11. Uh, excuse me for a second as I pull this up. But this is the end to the miniseries that we were all really... I mean, I guess, we, did we know it was going to be a miniseries, to be honest? Or is it no. just canceled? So, just I, 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 I went back and listened, and when we talked about number one, I think we were all hoping that it wasn't, but kind of skeptical that it probably would be. Uh, but no, okay. it, was, it was never announced that way um, until about issue seven or eight, I think is when they announced it to be ending yeah, in 11. Yeah. So... All right, well, this is the, the final issue with the writer, Cena Grace, uh, artist, Robert Gill, with Cena Grace as well, um, colorist, uh, Rachel Rosenberg, uh, letter of VCs, Joe Sabino, and the cover, once again, by Kevin Wada. Um, and on the cover, we have him doing, like, an ice Hadouken at, at the screen. <laughs> with Hadouken! Um, yeah, basically. <laughs> with uh, some of his memory shards in the background. And I have to say, I haven't really liked the Kevin Wada uh, covers, but this might be my favorite one, actually. I had a feeling that was going to go that way. I don't know, I just had a hunch. That this is going to be the one that was like, yeah, George, he likes this one. What about you guys? Yeah, no, I agree. I like, I, I like it quite a bit. I think it's a great pose. Um, uh, crap. What game is that? Is that Street Fighter, right? Yeah, Street Fighter, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I kept wanting to say Mortal Kombat. I was like, that is not right. Don't be a moron. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, that aside, I still think it's a great Iceman pose, and you kind of feel like you're about to get iced in the face. And um, then I think it really, really shows kind of all the things we've dealt with, you know, either in this book specifically or you know, other Iceman stories that run concurrent. So I think it's a, a nice little collage. Looking at the collage, I see uh, an image of Spider-Man uh, in there. And I don't really remember uh, any Iceman-Spider-Man team-ups. Do you guys? I made friends. Oh, right, of course. Show. Duh, duh. <laughs> yes, okay. Obviously. Thank you for correcting me. <laughs> but, but to your point, Georgie, I don't think he showed up in this series at all. No, and I don't think he's really been like on Spider-Man's like friends list for a long time. Right. right exactly. It's amazing. Spider-Man has friends with the Human Torch and Iceman. It's uh, interesting <laughs> how to get that. Uh, so, so I really so like I think... that um, Ultimate Spider-Man where they team up to get all three of them uh, like a little team. Oh yeah, yeah. That was quite fun. But anyway. All right. So um, we jump into the story. Where... Iceman is, I don't know, drawn a little oddly here uh, on this first page. Sorry to get distracted by the art. Uh, with the team basically uh, finishing off a mission. Um, and then we cut to him having a date with Richter um, at like a Thai restaurant. So. Oh, get about it. Yeah, this is a great name. <laughs> So then we realized that, um, you know, the two of them are having difficulty uh, sort of connecting um, and sort of a criticism of what I think a lot of people would say was, if you have two on a team, why aren't they dating? But obviously it's not just like if you have the same sexual orientation, you just start dating if you're in close capacity, <laughs> right? That's right. not how it works. Like magnets. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Like, 
I mean, it's not like I'm at work and I'm a woman who's also heterosexual. I'm like, hey, we both <laughs> we both like each other's parts. What, what do you say? <laughs> so I thought that was an interesting yeah. critique of that, and you realize that neither one of them can get over their exes, uh, which is fair. And we get a nice little team up of of Richter and Iceman throughout this book, um, because uh, Bobby's mom calls him up and lets him know that something weird is going on in the in the neighborhood, and she needs him to investigate. And sporadically throughout this issue, we get sort of flashbacks to Bobby as a young kid. That I feel like these are the the pages drawn by Cena Grace. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. That are sort of like old school, golden age comic style artwork, uh, exploring Bobby throughout his his young life, dealing with his powers. What, what did you guys think of like these sort of? Images? I thought they were clever because it's all about dealing with his powers, not dealing with self. And it sort of like worked really well with the idea that the whole book has been about him dealing with com- him coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do admit that I really liked Grace, do some Jim Lee. Yeah. Um, the sort of 90s where Wolverine and Cyclops sort of have a little bit of a moment together um, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah yeah I, mean, I thought they were quite clever because I thought they were, the whole book has been leading has been this about him going on this journey and this just sort of highlights that it's been his powers that uh, um, have been the, at the forefront of everything and defined him right. which Kind of goes into goes into the idea that that like um, characters that are gay or, or people who are gay have to be defined by that only, which I thought was an interesting um, way to tackle it. Right, and he's never really been able to like sort of talk about that side of himself. Exactly, it's how that was the main focus of his his life, and he sort of let this other side of him, uh, you know, fall by the wayside just because he was so focused on other things, and probably because he wasn't allowed to focus on that in his life. And it's interesting to like compare him with his younger self, who's like so at home with it now. Uh, like how much easier it is to, I think, to adapt to that change in your life as a young person, whereas Bobby is like a thirty-year-old suddenly confronting the secret in his life is a much more difficult thing to overcome. Right. That's a nice juxtaposition. I agree. Yeah. So, um, Bobby and Richter show up in the neighborhood, and there's all kinds of purple lights flashing uh, in the house and they are sent in to investigate. Richter blows the front door down uh, <laughs> suddenly and they are attacked by flying purple lights of power. I mean, this, this, this guy who they encounter has big mutant powers. Right, yeah. <clears throat> kind of undefined. And he likes to draw. Yes, yeah. I thought it was going to be like this guy draws stuff and then he makes the stuff he draws come to life. Oh, but yeah. I think it's more like he can just make anything do stuff. Super vague. Um, and then we get uh, a flashback to Bobby as a young kid with his parents arguing about him possibly being a mutant, which is obviously kind of an allegory for, you know, if if he was arguing, you know, parents arguing about having a, a gay kid, um, then sort of hearing it in the hallway right what what area of artwork do you feel like this is is this um, like uh 80s is this 70s i feel like this is 60s i feel like this is sort of it almost reminds me slightly uh, the faces slightly remind me of like a little bit i can see Dicko a little bit yeah but like i think it's sort of going through his sort of 
appearances, so it'd be like 60s, 70s, 80s. And then we, we sort of flash back to the house, and they, uh, Richter and decide they're going to, um, well, not decide, uh, because the guy whose house they've broken into makes the floor collapse, Richter falls down, and Bobby um, is going to go and try and calm down this, this, he's not even like an old man, I would say he's in his, I don't know, 40s maybe, uh, maybe 50s, um, trying to calm him down and get him to stop going crazy hours. Richter's in the basement, uh, sort of fighting, and Bobby goes upstairs. And then we get a flashback to the 90s that uh, you had just spoken about, Dan, where Iceman is trying to get more responsibility on the team and become like a bigger part of the X-Men. And Cyclops just ignores him because Wolverine comes in. So, uh, <laughs> such a beautiful, that is such a beautiful comment on my in the yeah. 90s, yeah. yeah. Way to prioritize me over someone you see the seemingly loathes. Like, yeah, yeah, my stuff can wait. Whatever. Screw you guys. <laughs> uh, and then we flash uh, over to um, the house again. Uh, Richter is fighting in the basement. Um, Iceman is trying to convince this older guy to calm down. Uh, there's, some, there's some interesting dialogue. He finally goes in the room, and this old guy's on his bed with a baseball bat. <laughs> I love his, this full page where his robe is flying in the air with his power. <laughs> it's all colored purple, like he's ready to take this guy out with his wooden baseball bat. <laughs> um, it's, it's a nice page. Um, then we have another flashback to Bobby in grade school. Uh, I guess he's in a Catholic elementary school, I would say, here. And the priest is telling him, you know, it's a sin to be a mutant. Don't be a mutant. Pray it away. A, a page. Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll do my best. Um, and back to the house where instead of like going into a real fight, uh, Bobby's just trying to get this guy to calm down. He just is the whole room. Uh, what, what did you think of this page? I, don't know, I nice. like it. I really, really thought it was quite nice. I liked how... Um... He froze everything except for himself. So, yeah. so he takes the action to freeze like the room and all the objects so this guy can't do anything else. But he doesn't change his appearance as to kind of say, hey, I'm still here with you. Like, what's, you know, this isn't escalating. I'm just kind of taking a time out in a way. And, you know, let's sit and talk a minute. And that was a really, a really interesting kind of human thing to do, you know, to just say, hey, I think if he had turned to like full Iceman, it would have only made things worse. Or the guy would have panicked. So I, I thought it was really smart. You know, we don't really... I think one of the things that the Grace has done in this book with, with Bobby is, you know, it's, it's easy to just kind of put Bobby on a team and just make him the class clown. And there is that part of him. But Grace has really shown like how compassionate he is and how smart he can be. You know, the leadership skills he has. And I think this is just... a a subtle example of, of just the complexity of, of Bobby Drake. So I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, what I can get into this, it's amazing to see how someone who really understands a character yeah. and writes him in one book can really make him stand out where someone who doesn't understand a character <laughs> and writes him in a different book makes him like a, an awful part of the story. Don't <laughs> <laughs> talk about it. <laughs> So after he's uh, gotten this, this older guy to calm down a bit, uh, we have a flashback to like three years ago, um, at least in, in our country, maybe two months ago in X-Men country. <laughs> right, yeah. Where um, 
Jean Grey has sort of outed uh, young Bobby, uh, which is nice of her to do. And they're dealing with um, situation, which, you know, everyone talked about, you know, constantly during that period, which it was not a highlight of Bendis' run to, uh, to do that in the way that he did. Um, and then we cut back to sort of the end of the book with things being settled and Bobby having a cordial, if not loving, but like, I don't, I don't know, friendly conversation with his father. Yeah. Where, where they're not like lovey-dovey, but they seem to be okay with who they are and, and where they're And um, his father inviting him to come over and Ison being like, I'd like to, but I need, I need a little time first. I think things are going to be okay. In the book in sort of a, a nice spot. I felt like, you know, they had sort of a, they had a plan of where they were going to go. And when that was canceled, they had to rush to adjust the story, which I, I think was pretty, you know, in, in some of the previous issues. But I, I feel like they, what did you guys think of the book? Yeah. I think it has like the emotional core of what we liked and what we enjoyed before it sort of had its little moment of, oh dear, we have to cost correct. It's been canceled. Um, I think it was a good send-off. Exactly. I agree. I agree. I think um, Grace kind of wrapped everything up um, into what he was trying to say and just writing a, a complex character and, and kind of drawing parallels that are obvious, right, between, like, discovering as a mutant and then, you know, now dealing with, with coming out. Um and kind of tying those together, but not in a cheap way, in a way that felt like it had emotional weight and meaning. Yeah. Um, I really like the way he ended the book, where things aren't perfect with his parents, but there's there's hope there. And, you know, hopefully, you know, wherever Iceman shows up next and whoever's writing him can kind of maybe build on that and, and hopefully not rush them into reconciliation. I think that should be like a slow... You know, process, take three steps forward, maybe a step or half back, um, you know, as they kind of learn to live with each other again and, and have kind of a new normal in the relationship. But I, I think Grace did a great job of not completely resolving it, but giving enough of a push towards a resolution that, that it just really made sense for what his struggle has been in this book, particularly in his family dynamic. And, um, yeah, I agree. I don't know if it, you know, the, the bad guy is really neither here nor there and almost almost just a plot stand-in for Iceman and Richter to have something to do. And that, that's okay. That doesn't have to be a bad thing. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, I think y'all talked earlier about, you know, kind of taking some of the conventions of what maybe people thought this book was going to be and and not like addressing them in a, a bullish way, but just kind of saying, you know, you know what? This book really wasn't that. And, you know, here's kind of where we did things a little bit better. Um, but, but not being afraid to talk about them or confront those kind of misconceptions about what you have to do with a gay hero. Um, so yeah, I, I think this is a, a very nice ending and a very complex ending to what has been a, a really pretty deep character study. And, yeah, you know, we had that, that bump in the road with the Dawkins story, but I think everything else about this series has been phenomenal, and this was a great way to end it. Yeah, I think um, what this book did really well was big, big action pieces, but, you know, when there was action, there, it was, I, I did like 
uh, some of the fighting between Iceman, especially their first encounter. Um, and there were some other great, you know, pieces of, of Bobby using his powers, but I feel like all the stories really were about character, and when he was super, it wasn't about saving the world, it was uh, helping a person or two at a time, right. and helping them to deal with their situation. It was, uh, it was, it was a nice change of pace, and then, um, fun. I agree. This was a really good character study for Bobby. Not too deep. Uh, you got like bored with it. Nice mix of action with with character, um, and it was able to end in a, in a good spot. But I also know that uh, the last news, I felt like the artwork had dipped uh, just because speculation. But like maybe the artist had to rush to change storylines and maybe didn't have as much time as he needed or as, as the creative team needed to make those pages work whereas in this book having Cena Grace jump in to do some of these flashback issues probably allowed the team the rest of the creatives to focus on the artwork they had to make uh, which led to some really outstanding panels I agree especially I... Wait, go ahead no go ahead I was going to say I really I forgot how much I liked Richter's kind of new visual status quo and and we'll miss it when we talk about another book later. <laughs> I actually really like um, Grace's uh, flashbacks. The the fact yeah. that he matched um, the art style of the book that was happening at the time. Mm-hmm. But it was quite. Um, all in all, I think this is such a like. It's such it's such such, such such yeah such a shame that we're about to talk about gold, and how like. <laughs> Not for very long. Um, <laughs> You this springboard that Grace has made, and yes, exactly. Yeah, but um, I think this is a great thing, and it's been a really uh, no matter it's, it's had its down points, but as a, as as a whole, it's been a really strong series. And Agreed. I'd recommend it to a lot of a lot of people, and I think it's um for likes of people who are like oh, Bobby shouldn't be gay or why buy this book or whatever I think it's 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 done a lot to like sort of bring a different group of people into comics reading because um, a lot of people on uh, Twitter that I know that don't read comics read Iceman um, because of the subject matter and I think they managed to really handle that well and this last proves that like if, if you want someone writing Bobby get someone that Understands it, yeah. Some sort of passion. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> right. Dan, you had a, a great. Like, Cena Grace made this great base. Like, he, like, Cena Grace baked amazing cake. Um, and when it came time to put the frosting, he had to hand the cake off to someone else. And then Guggenheim just like pulled down his pants and just like defecated all over it as the frosting. <laughs> oh my gosh. And that's all we got in gold. <laughs> oh, man. Nerd, is that really bad? Oh, God, is that? No, I'm remembering gold now. Let's let's hold off on that. Let's. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed this book. In fact, I'd probably um, say that the, the, if we're going to rate it, I'd say that this book is a high five, possibly depending on how, because it got some of the story got me quite emotional. It reminded me of aspects of 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 like when to lie or pretend that I, way when you were. Uh, a retroactive six late on, on subsequent readings, but at the moment it's very much a high five because I think creatively it has a lot to say and it doesn't need 
barrels of dialogue to tell you. Right. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Um, you know, it's, it's funny because I talked about not comparing things earlier. I kind of kind of have to on this one. I gave it a very solid five out of six. And I think part of what kept me from giving it a six is I didn't give Red a six. And I think they're about on the same level. <laughs> so <laughs> I figured I'd better be consistent and I'll, I'll give them both fives. But it's a very solid five out of six clause for me. Yeah, I agree. Um, this is a great, I don't know, course correction, but as I, as I you know, stated earlier, uh, he really stunned quite nicely and that open for him to continue on. And the artwork, I feel like, was a step up from a couple of issues. You know, I didn't think I was going to, I was worried about having a solo Iceman book when, when everything started out, but I would say after issue, even, even after the end, I was just like sold on this thing. And it's a uh, to see this end. Um, so this gets a, a five out of six for me as well. It was it's a great great series overall. And um, Godspeed, Iceman. Let's hope Grace lands on a on, on the fresh start at Marvel um, on an X book. I hope so. I hope so. He did say that he has something coming, but he's not allowed to talk about it yet. So there's hoping. Yeah, I, I hope it's something really cool. I mean, I'll. I'll give it a shot, whatever it is. So, all right. Well, let's talk Uh-oh. about some other books. Um, so X Men Go number twenty-two and twenty-three, uh, Brotherhood Part Two and Three. Of course, written by Martin Guggenheim, penciled. Oh, we'll do twenty-two first. Penciled by Diego Bernard because I felt like when I did eight and nine credits together, that was really awkward, and I wish I hadn't done that. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm gonna do just twenty-two for a second. Um. Uh, Pencil by Diego Bernard, inked by J.P. Meyer, colors by Arif Prianto and Hava Tartaglia. Sorry, bud. Um, Letters by V.C.'s Corey Pettit. (laughs) And uh, a really fantastic cover by Dan Mora and Juan Fernandez. Um, A nice cover and, and a lot of white space with just a really nice... Rachel um, having like a, I don't know, a, a psychic fist bump <laughs> in her new costume and then Kitty and Storm aghast behind her. Um, I really enjoyed this cover. And uh, we will go from there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> it works. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm all about, and I said we're not going to spend much time in these books, so I'll make this as quick as possible. Um, I'm all about like diving into characters' backgrounds and giving them motivation. And I even don't mind you know, making people complex and making you sympathetic, right? But I feel like it is so obvious and a little bit pathetic that this this... Talking Head has been kind of spousing our main anti-mutant hysteria in X-Men Gold. Like, why can't she just be an ignorant person who's dumb? Like, a lot of people in a lot of places. Instead of saying, well, she just is that way because her mutant father beat her. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's a little bit of a cop-out. And, and I don't mind having sympathy for the character and giving her complexity. But I feel like it's too easy. 
to say, oh, she's just that way because of what happened to her. Because there's a lot of people who are that way and nothing happened to them. They're just that way. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. Um, anyway, uh, basically Mesmero um, tricks the team into fighting his his team, but really he's they're fighting the police. And when he leaves with the, the talk show host um, or the news, whatever she is, um, Kenny realizes she made a big mistake and they, they beat up the cops and you know, she tells the team to stand down as they get arrested. Um, new Pyro doesn't like what has gone on and so he deserts the new brotherhood and then Jen Walter, she Hulk comes to visit. Kitty says there's not much we can do, at least not very quick. I mean, it's going to be a slow burn, so y'all got to go to jail for a while. If that's what, if that's what your play is going to be. And Kitty's like, yep. And then this uh, negative zone god is on his way back to Earth for revenge. Um, I actually kind of enjoyed the art. Um, it's much better than the next issue. Yes. Yes, by a long shot. And you know what? Uh, some minor plot points, squibble aside, and some really clunky dialogue aside. I thought this was okay. Um... I thought the interesting idea that um, there's lots of times where psychics trick you into fighting, you know, where you think you're fighting them and you're fighting somebody else. There's usually like evil armies and no one really cares. And the fact that this time it was the cops and there's actual like consequences, I thought was a nice little spin on that trick and that trope. So I, I kind of enjoyed that. So um, just I gave this book three out of six claws. I, I know y'all probably are going to go a little bit lower, so go ahead. You just remember it being like, like playing out like a, like a medley of songs, but in like more. <laughs> kind of what gold is to me now. Right. And I was like, it looks all right. It's, it's not, it's very sort of average. So I suppose like yeah. free is a deserving thing. It, it isn't, it isn't astonishing X-Men. <laughs> I actually I like this issue I like X-Men Gold 22 better than I liked Astonishing 9 so I'd probably go with you with like a three. alright um, well I guess I'm bucking the trend then giving this a low two okay um, I felt like the artwork was fine um, except that a lot of the characters faces are kind of like really is that her? Like her? Who is this? Like <laughs> Superman, super thin, six foot three. Suddenly, I thought it was stupid to have this god coming back. Yeah. I uh, thought we were done. I, I love the part <laughs> where she's being talked to in jail, and they're like, "Well, what could happen? We have all these other superheroes." And Kitty's like, "Well, I just don't know." To me, nothing dopey <laughs> than that sort of dialogue. Um, to be honest, to be honest, now you're talking about it, it probably doesn't <laughs> I, I just, you know, when you read it, and you're just like, I'm just flicked through it again. I was like, it didn't look that bad. <laughs> I just don't care. That's the problem. Yeah, I felt like skipping through so much of the book as I was reading it. Um, I didn't like, I, I felt it was tropey again that they were fighting these characters 
that we knew were already dead or like, you know, in jail or, or, or whatever. And they're like, oh, they're back. Well, how could it be? It's like, obviously, it's Mesmero. Like, everyone who's ever read a comic knows this is what's happening. <laughs> it's, it's not those real people. It's someone else. So I just felt like it was really, like, tropey. It was stuff we've seen before again and again and again. And the artwork was fine. Uh, I mean, it wasn't great, but it was serviceable. So this is a... It just it, it offended me. This is a low two. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, number 23 uh, starts our new story, Cruel and Unusual. Art by Tony Silas. Colors by R.F. Prianto again. Letters by V.C.'s Corey Pettit. Yeah, you got a background one <laughs> here there. And a uh, cover by DNA, David Nakayama. Um, a little bit too sexy kitty being marched through the prison. Um, I think it's interesting that Old Man Lung is not in the story, and I'm pretty sure that's him in the foreground, right by her butt. Um, but, you know, whatever. Uh, so the X-Men gold team is in jail. Negative Zone God's coming back. Um, there's kind of some prison drama, right? Kitty and, and Storm got to prove that they are the the alpha females here. Um, Bobby comes home. Rogue's there for some reason. Um, so Bobby gets his new team, which is magic, magma, ink, and armor, and he sends them to the danger room because he's tough as nails. Um, oh, he's cold as ice. Um, anyway, <laughs> Colossus with the longest arms ever, and Nightcrawler with the second longest arms ever get in a food fight. I guess I don't know. They get some kind of tussle in prison. They got they got prison woes as well. Um, Iceman says, this team's not ready. And then what's-his-name shows up. Um, oh, uh, not not Pyro shows up. And Iceman's like, no. Rogue's like, yes. And okay. And then uh, the, the shredded man. <laughs> no. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yep. So we have the shredded man in the sewer. Uh, Callisto's in prison, but they meet Crazy Maisie, who's going to try to give a whooping to our girls. Um, I didn't care for this art. Um, nope. I just want to throw this idea out there. What if we had a, a story where the X-Men attacked the wrong people on accident and got sent to prison, and we got to see them kind of deal with being in prison but Tom Taylor and Mahmoud Azrar were doing the book. <laughs> it would be awesome. Like there's yeah. there's stuff here that is worth pursuing. Sure. And it's a good story to tell. These are just not the right people to do it. And so that I, story along with what if Iceman was the next team? Oh, that would be an interesting story. <laughs> but really poorly done here, yeah. Right, yeah. So I don't want to be the continuity dude, but like, isn't Callisto like friends with Storm now? I like, I can't that... remember. I don't. She she just kind of does whatever people need her to do in the story. Yeah. I didn't know just, she was I in jail like either. It's, it's it's so sort of boring. It feels like she's there because it's another notch in the nostalgia. King. Yes. Yes. Right. <laughs> That, that, that Guggenheim's constructed since well, issue so, one. It's like, all right, we haven't had Callisto. Let's put her. Boom, right. done. So what are the odds like, that 
Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Dan. And uh, my one terrifying character is that Pyro, the new Pyro is gay, and Bob and oh. have a relationship. Oh. Because, like... Like fire and I, ice. I, I, yeah, fire, fire and ice. ice. <laughs> <laughs> fire and ice. You can get George Martin to, to join oh. it, like, right now. They can have their own book. Yeah. Yeah. Fire and ice. I just saw it. I just, for some reason, I just had this horrible... I saw it, and you know when you like have this horrible gut feeling that something's like a spider sense going off, right. and I was just like, "Something, please don't. Whatever you do, Guggenheim, right. please don't do that storyline." So, having <laughs> so, that conversation where he's like, "Yeah, I escaped from prison, did some bad stuff, and I'm here to atone," and Bobby's like, "Yeah, no," and Rogue's like, "Yes," and Bobby's like, "Well, okay." <laughs> Isn't there a middle ground where, like, well, maybe we'll just you to the police because you probably need to go back to jail for like being a criminal they, it's like nope why is Rogue there anyway okay, like, you're on the team Rogue's randomly smoked she's like I'm an Avenger boom right, <laughs> it's like right. why are you here <laughs> well someone had to go, answer go the door the and the Avengers have Jarvis so what is that team that, they, that they've given out of every mutant at the school like Guggenheim has to have ink still, please. Anyone? Ink anything. with one tattoo, by the way. I just oh. I, like did you Magic's notice... in like a million books now, isn't she? She's in like the book, and she's in age and everything. Yeah. So it's kind of like, and Magma's only there because Guggenheim doesn't know. Like, Guggenheim opens out worms, and he has yet to close it. And, and he's just got armor and ink because he was in the... What happened to his little, like, there's going to be a rotating cast, it'll be different. I feel like we're just seeing the same playbook all yeah. the time, but now they're in prison. Right. Because, it, <laughs> because it's prison, they have to beat up people because yeah. that's how prison works when superheroes go into prison. Yeah. So speaking of Callisto that's... nostalgia, what are the odds that Callisto's really in charge of the gang? And a powerless uh, storm has to fight Callisto to lead the gang. Just like the Morlocks. Uh, oh, God, no. <laughs> no. Yeah, but instead of this time, it's going to be Kitty. Fighter. There you go. So Kitty can fight Crazy Maisie. We'll get Crazy Cat. Um, did y'all notice the girl uh, with the uh, the alien mouth coming out of her tongue? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, enough about this. I'm going to give X-Men Gold 23. I'm going to go down to you guys, a two out of six claws, and I expect y'all to to go down more. I don't know, maybe. I think this one is like one. Like, it feels like a one. It reads like a one. It's just, it's it, it's a problem that needs to be a root. Um, it's just yeah. it's not a good. No, it's I'm pretty... there. This is a one. This is an easy one. This is awful. This artwork was so I feel like someone had been playing Street Fighter and decided to try and draw the X-Men like Street Fighter characters. <laughs> and it went horribly wrong. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Looks like to me. Let's, let's forget this issue ever existed. There you go. All right. So, before we get to X-Men Blue 23, I feel obligated to mention that Poison X happened. And all you need to know is that there's a Venom event coming called Venomized. This was the segue. Um, 
Our X-Men Blue original five are lost in space with Jean Grey, quote-unquote, dead. All right, that's good. Um, <laughs> X-Men Blue number 23 starts off a new story called Cry Havoc. Um, part one, written by Colin Bunn. Is it really? I feel like that is definitely a title from a previous, like, X-Men, like, uncanny story. I'm certain of it. I would think oh, so, but I just, yeah, I don't know. But it would seem that way. I have I have visions or like a not visions, but like sonic memories of the uh, the um. Oh damn it! My brain dropped out of my head again. The Danger Room guys—they like they'll read a cover or like uh, the title, and then they'll like sing to it. And I'm certain one of them made up a song to cry havoc. Oh uh, yeah, that sounds familiar. Actually, maybe so. I'll, anyway, I'll have to tweet at him and see. No, no, that's a good point. We're, we're, we're recycling titles and story beats, apparently. Um, <laughs> a lot of recycling in this issue. Um, <laughs> so written by Colin Bunn, art by Jorge Molina, colors by Matt Mia with J. David Ramos, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna, and the cover, of course, is by Jorge Molina. Um, the cover's fine. It's Jimmy Hudson and Bloodstorm um, in the desert at night. It's, it's fine. Sure. Fine. All right. Um, could, before you carry on, can I just do the ex office have something against Storm? Because the roster doesn't have Bloodstorm on it at all. Oh right, yeah. <laughs> and like in X Men Gold, she hardly speaks. <laughs> like is Storm like not allowed to do things anymore? I don't know. I guess they just said, we can't make her as cool as she is in Black Panther, so we're just going to have her stand around. <laughs> I don't know. Which, by the way, if you want really good Storm, Black Panther, folks. Amen. Right. All right, so we start off in Madripoor, and our uh, our guys, our Patch Club, Club Patch, are here to find the X-Men, but Polaris stops them. And says, you can't come in here. And then she says, oh, you're right. Y'all are, y'all are fine. Come on, follow me. Call me Lorna. So they go into the meeting room where we think Magneto wearing Phantom X's jacket. And uh, Bloodstorm and Jimmy Hudson and <laughs> Briar Patch are in there. And they're talking about stuff at this glowy table. A glowy pool table. It's like the pool table from Tron. Um and they yeah. talk about how the X-Men are lost in space and uh, but they need to go track something down. What are they tracking down? Oh. No. What are they what are they tracking down? Crap. Oh, Miss Sinister. Yeah, they have a lead on Miss Sinister. And they're gonna go track her down. Um, but then the the club patch comes in with a Hellfire Club mask and Magneto definitely grabs it. Throw that out there because we just saw Jimmy Hudson and Bloodstorm unhogram themselves, um, so they oh. weren't really there. Magneto definitely grabs this mask, but then he holograms away as well. Oh right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we find out, of course, we remember that uh, Bastion is working with Havoc now because of this weird thing that he needs to save mutants so he doesn't get bored. Um, and has stuff to kill. Um, and they find this new Alpha Sentinel factory and they bust it up. 
Um, then uh, Polaris talks to Club Patch some more. Magneto's at the Hellfire Club. He threatens the waiter with metal pins and comes in to fight Shaw, but he underestimated Shaw, who has succumbed to Mother Vine and had a secondary mutation where he can grab energy out of the air. He doesn't need to get punched or blown up or anything. He can just do it. So back to Mojave Desert. Uh, Jimmy Hudson and Bloodstorm are on the trail. Hudson gets kind of a flashback of a previous memory, but he's like, ah, I don't need memories. Um, then he, we get a snicked as they find the ultimate marauders, but also regular Toad. And they've tracked somebody down, and it's Zorn. And help me, I can never remember what's going on with Zorn. I feel like he changes like the wind. But um, it's a nice page, art-wise. Um, and then we see Miss Sinister, Bastion, Axis Havoc, and not-so-crazy Emma Frost with a glowy globe. And they have a plan with Mother Vine, but there's plans inside plans. No one trusts each other. Um, and then Servant Robot finds the necklace that Jean found in the snow that time. And it's Ultimate Malice. And of course, Polaris puts it on and becomes Malice again, but it's different because it's Ultimate Malice. Right? That makes it different, doesn't it? Uh-huh. Right? I, I didn't even know it was Ultimate Malice. I definitely I, didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember that because when they found Jimmy and they were running away, Gene, in a panel that we, like, had to stop and go back to because we all missed it, um, when she picked up that necklace out of the snow. Yeah, 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 I remember that. Well, so on the plus side, glad to see Molina back on the book. I thought the art was pretty great. I agree. I like the art and a lot of the color work. Yeah, sure. yeah. Especially when you can... Poison X, this is like, phew, thank goodness Poison X is over. We can actually get some characters we're, we're interested in. Right. Yeah. I have a question. I have a question. Yes. Do you think, like, when the thing, when Access happened and it finished, and they're like, well, it has to have consequences, do you think they just do you think Havoc? And there's like, right, those two. I'm sorry. You there, cut, you, the rest can... Danny, cut out a second there. You think they just what? They just like, we dark at a wall. And it landed on Sabretooth and Havoc. Oh, and it was right. like, well, those, those two can stay in bed. The rest can get right. back to normal. Because <laughs> no one else went back to normal real easily. But right. they like, still sort of good. And Havoc's just full on evil. Right. <laughs> like, it feels like Sabretooth is slowly slipping uh, in the Weapon X book into being more of a, uh, like, quote-unquote evil character. Right. Yeah. And, and you see Emma being hmm, not insane. Um, and actually questioning, questioning the motives. It's a nice change, but it doesn't make any sense. Right, no. <laughs> I love that Miss Sinister and Emma are like in a competition to see who can like show off more muscles above their lady parts. And um, <laughs> it's like, oh, you're, you're going to take off that piece of clothing? Well, I'm going to take off this piece of clothing and we're going to see who can get more naked. Right, yeah. That's a contest. They were playing strip poker earlier. We just didn't see that scene. Ah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, at least we know what Mother Vine does, I suppose. And I do actually like Bastion's motivation because it just is just crazy. Like, <laughs> it makes sense, but it's kind of like a crazy thing that a crazy robot would probably do. <laughs> sure. So I kind of like his motivation. 
Um, it kind of makes sense as a hunter. Like you don't want the species to go extinct if that's what you like hunting. So you, you help to build them back up so you can enjoy your your hobby. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's very much an issue of um, putting pieces in motion, even though these pieces have been in motion for twenty-two issues. But now. they had to reset uh, them because venom or poison s messed everything up and made you forget everything. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like that. I don't know. This this might sound weird. No, but I feel like what Columbus wanted to be, like, like this is where he wanted his story to sort of start. Maybe he didn't. It feels like this is, this is the sort of X Men he wanted to talk about, rather than having the original five, and all that jazz before it. Like Maybe. I feel like, like, he, like he could he could make his own. He can craft his own story now. He's not slave to the original five's purpose in life and time travel and. All that jazz. He can just like try and do a really shit X Men story without <laughs> any interference. <laughs> um. I mean, the mother vine thing I'm with you guys. It's kind of interesting. Um, it just kind of gets tossed tossed references around. Um, I was really hoping for more of an issue of Jimmy and Bloodstorm, like actually going on the hunt and going through the desert. Yeah, yeah. And it would have been a lot more interesting to me. Um, so. So Zorn is, is he good or bad? Because he was, the last time we saw him was in Secret Empire, right? And he was part of New Tian. And he was like a puppet, wasn't he? For right, right. He's yeah. I thought he was good, but then there's been so many Zorns. <laughs> true, true. Yeah. No, fair enough. This could be Ultimate Zorn. Oh, maybe, yeah. I mean, who, who who ruled New Tian last time? Ultimate Zon was the ruler of that Tian Tian whatever the place is in Ultimates. So yeah. maybe. Okay. Well, some dumb stuff aside, I was mostly on board until the last two pages, and then I was just no thanks. Um, I really don't want Ultimate Malice Polaris at all, but I guess we'll see what he does with it. It's saddening because I really wanted Polaris to actually have a right. decent sort of role in the book. Now that the other X Men have gone, like she she steps up as the leader, but now she's just going to be crazy chick, right. green hair again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Well, huh. I kind of struggled on on what to do with this book because I did really like the art. Um, I'm not sure if I'm comfortable giving it. Four, but I did like it a little bit more than gold, so maybe I should. I don't know. I'll, I'll let you guys go first, and then I'll backpedal. <laughs> go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say I'll give it a high three. High three? Okay. I'll give it a middle-of-the-road three. I felt like it was just, just average. Okay. Well, I won't buck the trend. I'll stay a high three. I'm with Dan. Um... I, I maybe could have been talked into a four, but y'all didn't talk me into it, so <laughs> we'll, go with the, we'll go with three out of six claws. Um, okay. I think it could, I mean, there's stuff here that could be interesting, and I hope it is. Um, sure. You know, and I feel like this is the book that I keep having to remind myself that I like Colin Bunn, but I do. <laughs> I know. It's crazy, isn't it? Because I really enjoyed Colin Bunn, and this book is just like, it started off well, and it's just sort of nosedived into a blip. 
Um, I think it keeps it, getting interrupted, uh, and and it's not all editorial because Bun writes Venom too, so it's kind of like he interrupted himself. Oh, oh does uh, I thought so? Oh, Didn't no. he write these issues? Or oh, he only no. do this story? See, I oh, thought boy. I thought this was him like saying, "Hey, I'm gonna pull," you know, because Claremont used to do that all the time, where he he'd like take all his different books he was working on and like pull them together for stuff, and. Right. I kind of feel like that was that, but maybe not. Maybe he's not the regular writer. Oh, I don't remember. I don't, I don't read any of the books. I don't read it. Venom books, I don't have to. <laughs> uh, I'm, as, I'm as uninterested in Andy Brock Venom as any person could be. I mean, now. I liked yeah. him or like when he first came on the scene. You know, it, it tickled that, that fancy for me. But All right. Well, we're going to close out with a couple of rando books. Um we have New Mutants, Dead Souls, number one, and Rogue and Gambit, number three. Um, we don't even, just, just general thoughts. What do you guys think of, of New Mutants, Dead Souls, number one? Go ahead, Dan. Okay, um, hmm. New Mutants, Old Mutants, Middle of the Road Mutants. <laughs> um, Random Mutants, kind of yeah. S- it's not, it's middle of the Road Mutants kind of sums up what I feel about the book. I think it... <laughs> um, it's concept over everything else. Mm-hmm. And though it's nice to be like, oh, Karma's a billionaire, I forgot about that. Um, I can't get over the fact that Magic now a 14-year-old girl again. Exactly. And it bugs me, and I'm ready from Richter. Well, and I don't know. I loved Peter David's X Factor, and... Um, I know you shouldn't, like, covet characters and be like, no one else can write them unless it's written by blah, blah, blah. But um, I feel like the, the, the characters picked for this book have been done better elsewhere. And is this, a, this is a five-issue miniseries of them doing basically X-Files stuff, isn't it, where they just yeah, go and do, like, exactly. Supernatural. Looks that way. And out, yeah, and outside of Boom Boom, or whatever she's called, um, um, I felt like the characters were kind of just not really themselves it all sounded really off and different and well, the story was okay but I feel like this it has that sort of pandering it felt like it was pandering to me or to a, to the X-Men fan I used to be and right. it wasn't pushing anything forward it wasn't as interesting as the concept it tried to put across right and, and Rosenberg who, who we mostly liked right and we talked about him on the podcast before um, yep he talks about, he gives, um, so I guess he gives, uh, was it Richter? When they're talking about the powers, he gives him Earthquake and Snark, and then Boom Boom's more Snark. But I felt like with Rosenberg, all these guys were snarky. Um, yeah. I felt yeah. like this, the book was just really, really snarky, which is not bad. There were, there were moments that were genuinely funny, but I'm with Dan. They kind of all felt really close together as characters and with not a lot of difference between the way they they spoke or their outlook or their attitude and you know when they were different he had to tell us and describe them as being different versus them acting different and I, I'm not a fan of that so yeah I, I remember reading uh, the Jean Grey not the Jean Grey the Phoenix Resurrection series that he wrote dealt with a lot of X-Men characters and they felt like they were written like the characters. Right, yeah. It felt unique. I'm wondering if this was something he wanted to write or if Marvel's like, hey, write New Mutants. And he's like, well, 
I don't really know the characters, so I'll do the best I can. <laughs> I and so know. we have what we have. <laughs> I have no idea. Maybe he loves mutants, and this is what he always wanted to do. But um, no, I agree. The, the characters felt a little bland. I'm definitely with Dan. I don't like Magic being 14. She's like my third favorite X-Men character. So seeing her done this way is not, it's not cool with me. The other thing I wanted to bring up is two things. One, Strong Guy was never in New Mutants, right? So this is uh, weird that he's he's joined the group. The other thing is Wolfsbane, she has like the secondary mutation, right? And isn't she controlling someone else? So I don't know how... I'm wondering in continuity where this fits in is, is my big question. Is this supposed to be them young doing stuff? Or is this them coming back to do stuff? Or where does this fit in? Well, yeah. it's definitely after um, when Karma got all that money. So there's that. Um, I think this is now, to be honest. I generally think this is now. I just, I feel like it's too busy being a book that it's it's got gold syndrome of like being as what it thinks people want when they hear the words "new mutants." Um, that may be the episode I title. I don't know. I don't want to be down on it. I like the idea of like them trying to outside of the context of just mutants and doing supernatural. So that's a cool. And I do love the page of them. Well, the panels of them all like sort of getting their um, uniforms on. Uh, and I do like the uniform redesigns for most of them. I just, I just can't get behind sort of the voices of the characters taught. I just feel like it's like, um, like strong guy lost his soul. I know he got it back, but I feel, I feel like there's something like, it feels like strong guy and Wolfsbane don't even know each other in this book. They're just randomly on the same page. <laughs> and, like, that, and that really just frustrates me. Cause it's, it's like, surely, obviously there's four more issues. So he's, he's got a lot more to work with, but it just feels, it feels like he wanted to write maybe a magic, solo series but no one at marvel was ever going to do that so they gave him new mutants but unfortunately the movie's been pushed back by a year so now it's irrelevant that they've released oh, this issue right 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 <laughs> so because it's because because the movie's horror isn't it Or supposed to be horror so this yeah. is now supernaturally supernaturally skewed to a bit more horror so it's clearly been all marketed properly but unfortunately the movie no longer is released so the, the book kind of sits on its own right yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I, I struggle with this art too. Um, there were parts yeah, of it I liked, but there were parts of it that were a little bit too ugly for me. Um, and plus, what happened to Richter's awesome facial hair? Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't struggle with the art as much as you guys. I felt like it fit the, the tone of the story a little bit more in the concept to be drawn that way. Um, I, I, I just felt like. Um, Magic was drawn like a young trailer park girl with that haircut. Yeah, it was yeah. so weird. It's so yeah. weird. Like I had an argue. Someone literally argued. Like the, the thing I hate the most about this new mutants is that Magic's like argued that it's fine that she's fourteen because apparently she was resurrected. As I was like, but she. Yes. A fourteen-year-old. <laughs> Time I saw her. So. I mean, alter. Old as she's not drawn as a fourteen-year-old girl, so it's it's like what suddenly why I, I have no idea. Right, right. All right. Well, what you guys think then? Like overall ratings? Um, I don't know. Uh, 
I want to know I can get, so I'll probably give it a three, but uh, I, I don't know. It could be a two. I think it's probably a three, but it's very much in a, like a sort of example of comics by committee, uh, <laughs> by like, like, like by film release, um, <laughs> as, opp- as, a, as opposed to like something that was created out of what, like a pitch. It felt given it as opposed to someone's idea. Right. I think I, 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 maybe the art spoke to me a little bit more than you guys, but I feel like I'm going to give this a four. All right. Um, it, it wasn't like a great start, but I think hey, a little bit of a rough start, but I could see this working out um, with this concept and this cast of characters. Maybe they get written better, uh, but I'm going to, I'm a little bit more forgiving for this one, I think. That's cool. All right, well, ending on Rogan Gambit number three. Uh, things are going well with Rogan Gambit. They've uh, reconnected and are able to touch each other. And so they make out and make love. And then um, they go around looking for their neighbors and their friends, and they find this, like, hospital in the city proper, not in the resort, where there's all these people in this catatonic kind of zombie-like mental state. And then they find back in the resort in the secret lab clones of themselves in different eras uh, with different costumes and they have to fight each other which they find very cathartic um, to beat up on their old selves and old each other's. Um, but then we meet our villain who is lavish and she's like, you guys are just what I needed. Thank you. Um, well, the art was really good. The only thing I didn't like about the art is in that first page, does Rogue look like her arms and legs are like anorexic almost? <laughs> like it kind of visually bothered me because she's a very, you know, strong woman character and has physique to match. I don't need her to look like She Hulk, but it just looked oddly, oddly frail. Um, and out of proportion to the rest of her body. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. I would agree. But other than yeah. that, I thought the art was really good. I mean, if we're talking X-Books, uh, this is just as enjoyable for me as X-Men Red is. Uh, in, in a different way. But, like, super fun. And, and uh, I love the characters just being themselves and interacting naturally with themselves in and giving them a chance to actually be together, which they really haven't had, you know, much of an opportunity to do. Uh, it's nice. Um, I just, I, I really do love the artwork, except for those the skinny art. <laughs> Jason, I never would have even noticed. Uh, it's just, I would, I want Thompson to be on a regular expo. Me too. This is all I can say. Me too. And with five out of six claws, that's, it's just clever, fun, witty. Yep. It's everything you kind of want, like a nice little miniseries about two specific people. I don't really like Gambit, so it's quite impressive that she makes me like Gambit. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, I'm going to echo you five out of six for me. They're, they're clones, like there's some panels and this oh, there. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool looking. And it's fun to see all the different costumes. And, and then oh, yeah. you do some yeah. more making fun of the old Jim Lee with the, the tube top and the uh, Daisy Dukes. Um, yes. Because <laughs> Gambit's like, oh, I definitely remember that outfit. 
I think yeah. she even says you don't wear flip flops to a fight or something as she punches her. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That was great. That was great. Oh my god, it's so fun. Yeah. So I'm right with Dan. Five out of six claws for me as well. Yeah, easy five. Easy five. All right. Well, cool. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming on again. I know that was a crap ton of books, but I appreciate you also logging through them with me. And, um, you know, we ended we ended with good bookmarks. Uh, from Red to Rogan Gambit is uh, and everything in between. <laughs> thank you for, for making us rude the poison x stuff on air because that was rough yeah well you know it kind of bends the rules anyway because there were no wolverine i mean the wolverine character in the book got got left on earth so yeah (laughs) it was it was an easy omission (laughs) so awesome well georgie where can people find you sir i find me at ellie boy toy on twitter um and uh i guess that's it all right. And Dan, what about you, sir? Uh, you can find me at Gizmo1811 on Twitter. Um, yeah. That's easy enough. Very cool. Very cool. And for the podcast that goes Snit, of course, you can like the Facebook page. Um, Twitter is at Snitcast. And um, show notes are snitcast.podbean.com. And. Yeah, that's about it. I just really, really enjoyed talking with you guys again. Um, Same here. Yeah, thank you so much for coming back on. And we will do it again soon. I feel like I've been busting out episodes lately, so I'll try to keep that on. (laughs) Keep that going. Um, And uh, um, Nate, Nate. I lost you there, Georgie. It's good to hear the uh, the flashback episode uh, coming back, especially with your, your old partner there. So it's, yeah. it's it's nice to hear you back. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. So hopefully I'll be able to keep that momentum going. Um, but we shall see. Um, cool. All right. Well, cool. Well, we'll we will reconvene uh, sometime after X Men Three comes or <laughs> X Men Three X Men Red number three comes out, and uh, we'll we'll keep. Keep talking about these X books. Keep swinging you know, that. Jason, sorry to jump in just as you're about to. Yeah. But we're still waiting for that. Uh, was it X Men Origin? <laughs> Origin? Sure. I don't remember what movie that was. Yeah, X Men Origins Wolverine. Denise and I talked about that the other day. Um, uh, we're we're closing in on three hundred. <laughs> it will happen. It's gonna happen. And that's 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 the only promise I'm willing to make at this point. <laughs> So, but yes, yes, it's it's it is out there. It's gonna it's gonna happen. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, with that said, I want to put out goodwill into the universe. Um, so hugs and snicks. Everybody, I guess that's half goodwill. <laughs> as long as you don't get hugged and snicked by the same person, I guess you're all right, right? Um, yeah. And, um, all right. Well. Until next time, we will see y'all later. Bye-bye. Bye. And snacked.